Crippled Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Let's shine a bright light on sex and disability together. Connect with me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza, that's A-N-D-R-E-W-G-U-R-Z-A, and use the hashtag DisabilityAfterDark. Hey guys, thanks so much for clicking on this episode of Disability After Dark. I'm excited that you're here, and I'm excited to shine a bright light on sex and disability with you today. So, let's do that right now. For this episode, I wasn't sure what I wanted to use as a topic, as an anchor to build the episode. And I looked around at a bunch of articles that I had written and other articles around sexuality and disability out there to try and build a topic. And then I remembered something that happened in the world a few months ago, and I wanted to use that as the anchor for this episode, or one of the anchors for this episode, and so I want to share it with, share that with you now. I think we all remember where we were on Christmas Day. Now, not not necessarily because it was Christmas, because Christmas Day happened to be one of the days of a major celebrity passing in 2016, which should come as no surprise because 2016 was a shitty, shitty year for celebrity death. So. I was in the car with my dad on the way home back to my apartment from Christmas dinner with the family. And so it was Christmas day night and we were driving home and we had the news on and all of a sudden we heard that George Michael had passed away. Now we freaked out because my dad's a musician and I love George Michael um, and we put on some Careless Whisper and kind of danced around and played with that song in, in honor of him. I just thought, wow, man, 2016 was a craptacular year for celebrity passings. Um, and so then I went home, and I didn't think about too much about it because a lot of celebrities had passed away, and Carrie Fisher had just passed away, so it wasn't really weighing on my mind. I was like, oh, yeah, there's another celebrity death this year. That's not surprising. And then I saw a bunch of timeline tweets about his passing and death, and those kind of went on for a day or so more. And then I saw one the next day, on Boxing Day, from the editor of Huffington Post, Noah Michelson, the editor of Huffington Post Queer Voices, rather, who talked about George Michael's passing in relation to his queerness. And I fell in love with the article because he was very right. He he mentioned George Michael as, and I wrote it down here in my notes, he mentioned George Michael as a filthy gay fucker that we all ought to be honoring. I'm paraphrasing there, but that's basically what he said. For how freely he expressed his sexuality, and within that article, George Michael's history of cruising came to light. So he basically kind of kind of talked about in the article how George Michael had had very, very public sex with other men in bathrooms in, in London, and I remember hearing about that on the radio back in, like, 1998 or 1999 when it happened. And I remember thinking as a young kid, like, well, you probably shouldn't have sex in a bathroom. But I also remember kind of being titillated by hearing that and the idea of public sex 
and planting the idea kind of planted a seed in my mind um, of the naughtiness and wrongness, but also the eroticization, is it a word? I don't know, of public sex. And so the more and more I thought about this in relation to George Michael's passing and all that stuff and his freeness with which he expressed his sexuality quite publicly, quite literally publicly, it got me thinking about my own experiences with sex and public sex, more specifically as a queer, crippled man. It got me thinking about some of the few times that I have kind of engaged in public sex and the circumstances surrounding that and how I felt both before, during, and after. And I want to kind of shed light on my experiences with public sex as a queer, crippled man today in the episode. So let's get to that. So first, you should know that while the idea of public sex kind of intoxicated me and I was excited by it, I also was scared by it. And I also, while I love the idea, I was often always at odds with the idea of actually having sex in public because I believed, and I was kind of, it was ingrained in me that, and as it was ingrained in, in probably many of us, that sex should be a private, sprawling, romantical affair that nobody gets to see except for you and your partner. Uh, but for me, it was different. I think there was a sense of it should be private because you are disabled and your body is different and therefore nobody should see you engaging in sex because it's so, so wrong and so, so taboo. How dare anybody see your body and how dare you be so blatantly sexual in public? You're not allowed to do that. And so I always believed that sex had to be this private thing in part because I didn't believe that my body was worthy of being seen. I couldn't let anybody see me have sex, and I had to have sex under the cover and privacy of darkness. There was some definite shame happening there, some definite internalized ableism happening there. I have my own personal ugly laws attached to the, to the idea of, of anybody having sex with me, and if you're wondering what the ugly laws were, they were laws from a couple hundred years ago passed around for people with disabilities to not show themselves in certain lights because they were too ugly and too disgusting to be shown around town. So you should definitely look up the ugly laws if you're wondering what they were, but I have my own personal ugly laws with respect to my body. So I felt that's how I felt about my body and sexuality in one way, which is why part of me felt that sex and disability should be private. And of course, that was juxtaposed with the part of me that was like, ooh, I get to be taboo and I get to play with the idea of being wrong and being a bad boy and being kind of tough that way and disability sex was to say the least taboo and wrong so the idea of public sex and disability flying in the face of all that misinformation invisibility and mythology felt well it felt almost right kind of sexy it felt damn good to think about combating ableism with some kind of good old-fashioned public play. Kind of like saying, well, if you want to gawk at my body, let me give you something to gawk at. Actually, the quote I have here is, if you want to gawk at my body, let me give you something body to gawk at. Uh, Kind of cute, right? A little bit. So, and also the idea that if you think sex and disability is so wrong, 
let me be extra wrong for you. The whole idea of flipping these narratives on their head is a huge turnoff for me. Still is. No question. I love the idea of playing with the taboo of sexuality and disability. I mean, what could be more wrong than fucking the guy in the wheelchair in, the, in, a, in a public place? What could be more wrong than doing that? Nothing. So part of me is like, let's play with that, fuckers. Let me show you how wrong that is. But the other part's like, oh, no, got to be private. Can't show yourself because your body's a disgrace. And even though I'm older now, those feelings still kind of linger. That juxtaposition and that dichotomy between the two is still definitely very much there. When I was entering my early teens, my mid-teens, and even my early 20s, the idea of having sex in a bathroom stall with somebody was intoxicating and, and totally enveloped my fantasy of how I wanted to be fucked in a very specific kind of way. I was really, really wanting wanting to have sex in a bathroom with somebody. It just, I don't know, it always kind of titillated me a little bit, and I won't really wanted that to be one of the ways I lost my, my V-card. Um, and again, that's what I had seen on a lot of television, a lot of TV that depicted queer sex showed it happening in a lot of bathrooms. Thanks, queers folk, for those really hot sex scenes that I used to watch as a teenager growing up, seeing guys get fucked in bathrooms and wishing that that was me. So I always kind of wanted to be the person in the bathroom with a, with a random guy having great sex. And that always felt kind of exciting for me that was like I'm gonna I'm gonna defy everything bitches let's have sex in the bathroom with the guy in the wheelchair yeah so I have a story about that that I'm gonna share but not until after the break we're gonna play some ads and we'll be right back on disability after dark the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability stay tuned this episode of disability after dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of come as you are Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hello, I'm Mandy Ree, and you're listening to Disability After Dark the podcast that shines light on sex and disability. This episode of Disability After Dark is a handmade piece of crippled content created just for you. We record, edit, and produce each piece of this show to bring disability to you in a fresh, honest, and sexy way. Help us create more episodes and support crippled content creation by heading over to our Patreon page. That's www.patreon.com slash and pledging if you can. Your monthly pledge goes towards things like audio equipment, podcast hosting subscriptions, and everything we need to bring this disability-centered program to you. By pledging your support, you're showing that disability content has value, means something, and deserves a place in our media landscape. Thank you for supporting this podcast. And we're back. So, I almost had the chance to lose my V-card in a bathroom and play this fantasy out when I was about 19, around the same time when I actually did lose my V-card. And you heard a couple episodes back about that experience. This, this was not that, though. This was definitely not that. This was just before that. 
So I want to lay out that scene for you and talk about that some more. So I met this person online at around 3 a.m. Uh, at my campus of university where I was going to school. And I had been bumming around the internet looking for dick or supposed to be doing homework or something. And I, this person was like, hey, I'm on campus right now and I've seen you around and I think you're kind of hot. Can we go mess around? And I was like, okay, why don't you come to my to my dorm room? And they were like, no, 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 I can't do that. Why don't we go to one of the bathrooms on campus? And I was like, okay, like where? And they were like, why don't we go to the um, one of the bathrooms in one of the the engineering buildings, and I was like, all right, no problem, great, like, how do I get there, so he gave me the directions, because I, I was new on campus, and I had never been to this part of the campus before, so he was like, meet me there in like 10 minutes, so I very cautiously left my apartment, grabbed my room key, and left, and decided to go to this bathroom to meet this stranger, to have this, what I, what I had hoped, would be this great sex. I was horny as fuck. And I was down to give it a shot. Because I was like well. Why the fuck not. This would be great. So I remember I had to drive up this huge incline. To meet this person there. And I had to drive my chair up this incline. And normally when there was a bunch of students there. The incline wasn't so scary. But when you're by yourself at 3 in the morning. Going to meet a stranger. The whole idea of walking through the tunnels. And my school had these indoor tunnels that you could walk through so that in the winter you didn't have to go out in the snow. So I was in the tunnels and I had to go up this incline. And as I did, I was barreling, going so fast to meet this guy. I was so nervous that I almost tipped the chair on the way there, which would have been really great to have somebody find me dead on the dead on the incline at 3 in the morning when I was just looking for Dick. Uh, but I didn't. I made it up there okay, but it was a bit scary for a second there. Um... And as I was doing this kind of walk of pre-shame around my campus, I kept thinking that somehow by fucking this guy in this bathroom stall, I will have hit some rite of passage. I will have done it. I will have been like the dirtiest queer cripple fucker there ever was to be. I would do it. I thought of so many queer guys who probably started out this way and probably had sex with their first guy in a bathroom. And I was kind of excited. I was titillated by the idea until I got up to the bathroom to meet this guy. You always hear about people having sex in public in bathrooms, usually in the disabled stall. And usually the conversation goes something like this. They'll be like, this one time I fucked this person in the, in the disabled stall, and wow, there was so much room. It was so spacious. We had all this room to do all these different things, and holy crap, it was so much fun. I hear this a lot. I heard this a lot. And I heard stories of people having sex in disabled bathrooms where it sounded like they were doing acrobatics in there because I was like, wow, that sounds great. So I figured that if I would go into the disabled stall, I would have a similar experience because I was actually a disabled person who could use this stall to get fucked in a really cool way. Um, the irony is, of course, that as an actual person with disabilities, for which the stall was actually intended, I couldn't fuck anyone, let alone have a pee in there, without the help of another person. And what you'll know, as somebody with a disability who uses a wheelchair, anybody with a disability who uses a wheelchair who's listening, who's ever used 
those disabled selves to just appear, and you need the help of another person, you know how small they actually are when you add another person in there. So there I am with this guy, and we're about to go into this bathroom stall, and I'm going to read an excerpt from an article that I wrote about this experience to share with you kind of how ridiculously small the stall is when you add a wheelchair user in there to have sex. The excerpt reads as follows. I remember cramming myself, I remember cramming my chair into the stall, ready to do it with this really cute, closeted frat guy and being unable to move at all. I mean, he could barely pull his pants down or straddle my chair so that I could give him head. Somehow he managed to get my pants down and just as we almost got started, smushed up against one another because we really were, I remember we really were totally like, smushed up one against one another not not in like a sexy way but like oh my god your body's touching my body so much that i can't there's no space between you and i and that's uncomfortable uh that's how it felt so we were smushed up against one another now that i think about it it could have been super hot but it wasn't he got spooked by my disability and left me stuck in the supposedly accessible bathroom stall with my pants down and my dick out I sat there alone for at least 20 minutes, praying that no one would come in and see the poor disabled guy who tried to get some and failed. It was such a miserable failure. I just sat there. I, I remember just sitting there being like, what do I do now? I mean, I had my phone, but there was this sense of like, who do I call to explain this to? Who do I, who, how do I explain this to somebody? I can't call my care worker and say like, hey, care worker that I just met because I just moved here. I just moved. I just, I'm in the bathroom and I, I just fucked a random, I was wanting to fuck a random and I couldn't. Could you come get me? What would they say to that? So, I sat there for 20 minutes alone in the weird silence of this bathroom. And I eventually was like, okay, I have to call somebody. So, I remember picking up the phone and calling my best friend who was asleep at the time in her dorm room across campus. The reason why she is my best friend is because she actually got up and darted across campus to come get me. That's friendship right there, guys. She came across campus to come get me and found me with my dick out in this bathroom. At this point, really upset and really scared and really angry at myself that I'd even put myself in this situation, in this position. But she helped me get my pants up and we giggled all the way home. And as we were walking home, I thought to myself, how would we have done this? How would we have actually like completed any kind of deed because we were so crammed in there which speaks to issues of accessibility not just because I wanted to fuck a guy in the bathroom but because maybe they need to make bathroom stalls for the disabled community much bigger because what if your care was extensive and you needed help to use the bathroom and you needed the person needed room and if you have a big chair like mine you almost need like a shower room so maybe instead of having some tiny bathroom stall that was built on no standards have a room so that somebody with a disability can actually move their mobility device around should they need to. And that way, if they are in a position to have public sex, which is awesome, and if you can get away with it, because it's illegal in many, many, in almost everywhere it's illegal, if you can get away with it and you find time to do that, great. But it speaks to the inaccessibility of bathroom stalls for people with disabilities as well. The inability to engage in public sex, regardless of the legality of it, makes you think about accessibility from a whole different angle. 
public sex is not accessible to the disabled community. We can't have sex in the in the stairwells. We can't have sex in the in the bathrooms. We can't have sex in the muddied parks and the trails that people often engage in sex in sometimes, which speaks to how, you know, we're not supposed to do that, but we should be making these spaces accessible, not just because of sex, but because people with disabilities have different needs in terms of what they, especially bathrooms. And again, I don't just mean because I, because I want to get laid in there. I mean, because we need bigger, bigger spaces. So you're thinking, Candor, you can't have sex in all these spaces. Who cares? You shouldn't. But what if in your private life, sex is not an option for you? What if you live in an institution or a care home where you're monitored 24-7, where you don't have the freedom to be in a space where you can have sex? Maybe in public is the only place where you could find a private area that you could have sex in with somebody for a brief moment. Maybe that's the only time you could be sexual because at home your care staff are monitoring you so it makes you think about the importance of sex and public sex for people with disabilities just a little bit differently some of you may be thinking well andrew go to a bathhouse and have sex well i've tried that too i went to a bathhouse in my local community a couple years ago to have some pictures taken for uh for just for myself to have pictures of me with my dick out, um, just to have them, to look at my body and to, to feel proud of who I am. And so my friend and I went down to this bathhouse, and we couldn't, I couldn't get in the bathhouse from the front. I had to go through the back, and there was a big step to get me into the bathhouse, so we managed to pull my chair up to get me into this bathhouse. And I was immediately excited again, but also like, whoa, people are having sex in like the rooms across from us, like, okay, this is super new to me. So we get in the room, and the photographer and I and my friend get in the room, and we're trying to we're trying to get me to pose really sexy. Now, looking back at those photos, to be honest with you, I look like I'm constipated because I'm so nervous of the whole thing happening, but I tried to be really sexy in those photos. I didn't look sexy at all, and I tried to really enjoy this moment, and I, we realized once we got my chair in the bathhouse room where you would go to have sex with somebody, I could barely fit. I could barely fit to get my chair in there. So again, this is a space where if you live in a place where your care is watching you 24-7, the bathhouse would be an option, except the bathhouse is not accessible to me. So what do you do? How do you, how do you release this sexual tension or this sexual desire if everywhere you go, it's not accessible for you? So in one way, I believe there's a real privilege to having public sex, to be able to just say, you know what, I want to go behind this bush with you or into this bathroom with you or meet you here and do this publicly in the, you know, as secretive as it is, there's a real honest privilege to doing that and a privilege that regardless of its legality, I I want to be able to engage in that privilege that I choose to in that risk of getting caught. I want to be able to take that risk if I so choose. So I feel like we need to find ways to, and again, not just because of sex, this speaks to the inaccessibility of public washrooms for people with disabilities. Make them fucking bigger so that I can pee and fuck if I choose to. 
I have another brief story that I'd like to share about my experiences with public sex as a person with disabilities. I was coming home from a bar back in my college days about, I want to say, 14 years ago. So I would have been about 19, 20, 21. And I went to this bar to see a friend of mine do a show. And after the show was done, my other friend that I went with had to leave early. So I ended up walking home alone. And I was walking home, and I have no sense of direction whatsoever. And I was somewhere around the gay district of my university town, and I was totally lost. And I saw this guy walking kind of with me, following me, realizing I was lost. And he was kind of cute, and we were kind of giving each other eyes. But I was like, whatever, I'm not going to, this is weird, I'm not going to do this, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home. I, I was again flooded with, I have to be the good cripple and go home right now. I can't give in to this desire to like, make out with this dude because it was definitely there and so he stops me and says uh and says are you lost and I said well yeah I have no idea where I'm going and he goes well come with me now everything in my like safety self now is like you idiot why did you do this but I decided to follow this guy because he was cute and the primal sexual part of myself was like maybe something cool will happen here so I followed this guy to wherever we were going, and remember, I had no idea where I was going, I was totally lost, so I followed this guy to one of the bars downtown, one of the queer bars downtown, not accessible, but he was like, stop here, I'm gonna just go pee, and then we'll hang out afterwards, I was like, okay, sure, again, I didn't even know this guy's name at the point, but he was cute, and I was horny, and so I was like, alright, sure, so he went pee, and we ended, we ended up making out, like, just outside the club, and then he gave me a hand job outside the club, and I remember feeling, I remember looking around and seeing, like, no, it was, it was late at night, and so nobody was really around um, where I was, but I remember thinking about how wrong it was, but also I remember being totally exhilarated by the experience of having sex with this guy outside the club, not sex, it was hand sex, but it was sexual enough for me to be like this is wrong we totally shouldn't be doing this but also this feels really good keep going and I just really enjoyed the experience and enjoyed the exhilaration of being able to have sex outside with somebody one of my Facebook followers when I posed this question on Facebook before putting together this episode to just to kind of gauge how people felt about it said to me well you know public sex is great the logistics of public sex might land me in the hospital and I really don't want to call an ambulance to have to explain why they're there and so it got me thinking about how much we need to improve accessibility for people with disabilities not just from a let's be naughty in the bathroom context but just generally we need to make sure that people with disabilities can move around these these spaces and should they have PSWs who they are um, helping them or lovers who are helping them because sometimes you're with a lover and you got to pee and they need to help you. So you need to make these spaces actually accessible. And if I can't fuck in them, that means I also can't pee in them. So would somebody please create a bathroom stall that I, in my big behemoth chair, can have a pee, have a slosh, and then also get blown in if I choose to. Could somebody work on that, please? Can we please work on that? In honor of George Michael, in honor of his passing a few months ago, let's make that go. And let's think more about the true inaccessibility and the privilege of public sex. And lastly, I just want to add this on here. If you're able-bodied and you decide to fuck in my in my disabled washroom, please, I just gotta pee. 
I gotta pee, and then maybe I'd like a blowjob in there. Please get out and use your own washroom and realize how tiny your washroom is. And if you want to mess around in your non-disabled washroom, go ahead. But sometimes when you're in there, I gotta pee. So if you could maybe not fuck around when I gotta pee, that'd be great. Thanks. That's just my PSA around public sex and my stall. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, read my blogs or book me to bring disability to you, head over to www.andrewgerza.com. Also, if you're listening to this in iTunes, please rate and review us so more people can find the show. Copyright Notice This program was created and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Any and all materials, including graphics, music, and audio recordings, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission.